I know, I know, I know. I know, you gotta stay here with me. You gotta stay here. Oh, hi, everybody. Hi. Uh, it's good to be here. Hi, everyone. I'm Tim. I'm the pastor here. And I, I've just, God's done a work in me on my sabbatical, man. I'm now a Cub fan and I love cats. Okay, not really. Get this thing out of here. It's driving me crazy. <clears throat> I uh, have been on, I am Tim, and I have been on sabbatical, and God has done a work on me, um, but not that much. <clears throat> Just kidding. Uh, come on, we need prayers for the Cardinals. One run in two games. We got to get this going. Uh, and as far as I know, I'm still the pastor here. I got here Friday and tried to get in, and my key fob didn't work. So uh, I'm not really sure about how whole, the whole thing is gone, but um, I want to tell you that I've been off for three months, a sabbatical thing, kind of to get me ready for the, you know, last season, big season of, of ministry for me, but it was not what I thought it was going to be. Do you ever have experiences that weren't what you thought they were going to be? You know, something you bought or a trip you took or, I don't know, marriage you know what I'm saying? That's kind of what it was like. I was planning on coming back and doing some more chapters out of What Made Jesus Mad, the book that I wrote, which um, people have been asking me. I really don't know how it's going. I think it's going good. If you want to help me, um, go on Amazon and do a review. That would be super helpful. It seems like the more of those I get, the better it is. As a matter of fact, I'll take off the Cardinal jersey if you'll just do that, okay? Go on Amazon and do a review. I don't care if you read it. Just do a review. Make something up. But... Um, I'm gonna, I decided I'm going to save that for later on because I felt like I needed to be more transparent than that. And um, so I'm going to talk about anxiety because I want to be real. And what my break did to me is it caused me anxiety, which is just the opposite of what I thought it would. And I think it was exactly what I needed. It was, uh, I believe I'm going to look back and that's going to be a turning point in my life. But it really ended up being west, way less fun than I thought it was going to be. For a person like me who loves his job and loves his purpose and loves his friends and loves his staff, it was really hard to be away for three months. And yet, uh, what I traded for that three months, uh, in that three months, all those good things, was free headspace, which turns out may not always be the best thing, okay? All I can figure out is a car analogy. I mean, you know, if you, if you know anything about cars, you can be out of alignment, and if you're driving really fast, you really probably won't know you're out of alignment. It's not till you slow it down and start going 20 miles an hour through the neighborhood that you realize that the wheels are a little bit out of alignment. And I think that's what was going on. I just didn't really realize it. And I don't want to make this awkward for you, but if you ask me how my sabbatical went, it would be like asking Noah how he enjoyed his cruise, Okay. <laughs> I'm glad to be back on land. That's all I can tell you. Um, we spent the first month uh, mostly caring for my wife's mom, who was in the end stages of Parkinson's disease, and, um, you know, had to help our kids say goodbye to their grandma that they were very close to, and she passed away at the end of the first month, at the end of July, so that was obviously a hard way to start, but at the same time, it was a wonderful opportunity 
that we had to be there. My wife was with her mom when she passed away. And, you know, we were there in ways that we wouldn't have been if we would have been here because they live in Springfield, Missouri. So it was, it was really great to be able to do it. And Carol was ready to go home to be Jesus. That's just not to be, to be with Jesus. It's just not the way that you want to start, you know, your, your break. And then, man, I mean, that's just crazy how many things went wrong. I think you guys stopped praying for me while I was gone. And I don't mean like anything important, no health things or anything else. It was just like, I felt like I was being tested. I had two flat tires in two days on two different vehicles. When's the last time you had a flat tire ever? I don't remember. I mean, it was just like that the whole time. My wife finally became oblivious to it. She came up from the basement, and I went down to the basement of the place we were staying, and I came back up, and I'm like, were you not going to tell me there was water all over the basement? And she said, I didn't even notice it. I mean, at some point, it was just ridiculous. And yeah, I got a hole-in-one at this really cool resort course, Coeur d'Alene. I got some free swag out of it. It's the famous resort course with the floating island green that they move around and you take a boat out to. And, and uh, I didn't get a hole-in-one on that hole, but I did get a hole-in-one there, first one I've ever gotten. And after I, got, after, I, after I did it, one of my friends who knew the crummy summer that I'd had with all the stuff going wrong said, dude... Even your hole-in-one was broken. And it, and it was. I mean, it was a terrible shot. I bladed a sand wedge. It should have gone 40, 40 yards over the hole, but instead it hit a tree branch and went into the hole. <laughs> I have a broken hole-in-one. I promise you. I have witnesses. I, 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 God was just feeling sorry for me at that point. It's just like, here, let me, let me help you out. Nobody saw it. We didn't see it because there was a rock in front of the green, and, and we just walked up there, you know. I mean, it was just it was crazy. And I promise you, it, if it wasn't the devil, I had gremlins because, like, one thing after another went wrong. Now, obviously, we had some great times with our family. I mean, just the, the funeral thing, like I said, I mean, it was so special. Wouldn't have traded it. Um, my, my kids, my daughters all spoke at the funeral and my wife, and it was just beautiful. And I added grandchild number five to the pile. <laughs> Margaret Rachel was born. That's Princess Margaret. She joins Prince George and Prince Charles in the family in Nashville. Their dad is from England, and Rachel thinks that's fun, so they have to have, you know, England names. But they live in Nashville, so they are going to call her Maggie Ray, which is adorable and also works in Nashville because you have to have two first names if you're a southern girl, right? Maggie Ray. So, so, so please don't get me wrong. I wouldn't have traded this time with my family for anything. I am very grateful to you for giving me the break and to Todd and all the great people that we had in to help us along the way. I had time to do things. I built my grandkids a, a tree house. Yeah, that's not it. I thought that was a cool one. But I did build them one, and I'll never show you a picture of it. My, my, the truth of the matter is my family life is complicated, okay? My parents live in Fort Wayne. My sister lives in Dallas. My wife's family's all over Missouri. My kids are in Nashville and two different parts of California. So it's, it's a difficult thing to manage, and we had time to do that. And that was good. But in the middle of all that, like I said, I had free headspace. 
And I was talking to my counselor one day, which I set up ahead of time to do, but, but I do on a regular basis anyway, and you need to know that, and you probably need one too because you're messed up as I am. My counselor said, you know what? It makes sense that you're experiencing some anxiety in this because if you have a lot of time to think, especially when you haven't had a lot of time to think, it can cause anxiety. It can cause you to go to the what-ifs. And that's exactly what happened to me for absolutely no reason. Max Lucado um, wrote a great book on anxiety. It's called Anxious for Nothing. I'm using his outline, some of his stuff in this sermon. He said this about anxiety. He said it's a low-grade fear. It's an edginess. It's a cold wind that just won't stop howling. It's not so much a storm as it is just a hunch, maybe even the certainty that a storm is coming. Always another storm. Sunny days are just an interlude. A person can't relax in life. You can't enjoy the sun too much. You can't really let your guard down because peace is temporary. It's just short term. So you don't sleep well. You don't laugh much. You don't whistle when you walk. It's a meteor shower of what ifs. Well, what if we don't get the job? What if I don't get the bonus? What if we can't afford braces for the kids? What if our kids grow up with crooked teeth? What if because of crooked teeth they don't get a boyfriend or a girlfriend? What if someday they're standing on a street corner holding up a cardboard sign that says, my parents never bought me braces? What if? It's a suspicion. It's part Chicken Little and part Eeyore. The sky is falling, and it's falling disproportionately on top of me. Everybody feel good? Glad you're back, Tim. Yeah? Where's that should guy? Where did he go? One with the pretty hair, right? I, I, I know, I know. Look, look, here's the deal. I just want you to know that I live where you live, okay? I know that you see me normally as a person who is disproportionately hashtag blessed. And that is absolutely true. You are 100% correct. There is not a more blessed person listening to me right now. I have the most blessed life with the most amazing wife and incredible family and amazing friends and the best job ever. I wouldn't trade my life for anybody else's. I have nothing to feel anxious about, and yet I was. Because that's how stupid anxiety is. It's not realistic. Plus, I really think the last thing you want is to listen to a preacher who gets up here and makes it sound like, you know, if you guys just have God, everything's going to be okay. Because that's just dumb. Jesus was hashtag blessed, and he was killed on a cross. So can we just be real? Can, can we do that? Someday I would love to see Joel Osteen get up and preach with one of his teeth missing. <laughs> Wouldn't you? Yeah, Victoria elbowed me in her sleep last night. Sorry, Joel, I love you. What, what, what's the answer, okay? I mean, I, I just want it to be real. So what's the answer? Well, for me, don't leave yourself too much time to think. For me, it's hallelujah. Let's get back to preaching and leading and the stuff I was called to do. So I am excited to be back, just not because of why you think. I need to do what God called me to do. And one thing I obviously figured out is that I can never retire. I mean, that would just be terrible. That is horrible. My wife thinks even worse, right? Some of you are out there, you're like, yeah, no kidding, right? 
But, but what is really the answer? And that's what this four weeks is going to be all about. I hope you will invite everybody that you know to be here over the next few weeks. Send this link to your friends on Facebook and, and tell them to watch it and to get here because this is really important. I'm going to do two weeks and then I've got my R&B friend, Montel Jordan, the This Is How We Do It guy is coming in with his wife to talk about marriage with us. He's a pastor now and a great friend of mine. And then I'm going to do two more weeks. So this is a four week series we're going to do together. And then I got another, I'm doing six weeks in a row. I kicked Todd out. I said, I'm going to do this. Okay. Because anxiety is on a huge increase in our world. It is the number one issue for women and the number two issue for men only behind drugs and alcohol for men because men are masking their anxiety with drugs and alcohol. Dilly dilly. That's like, amen, you're supposed to say it back to me. Have you not seen the commercial? Dilly dilly. Okay, all right. That's, that's, that's all I'm saying. And, and if you have kids, know this. And if some of you say dilly dilly while I'm preaching, I'm going to kill you. If you have kids, know this. The demographic among Generation Z are kids and our teenagers. My friend Hayden Shaw is working on a book about them right now. And this is off the charts with them. I'll talk more about this next week. Uh, and I'll also talk more about this. There are some causes And we'll talk more about this next week. It may be chemical, it may be circumstances, and it may be spiritual. I can't prescribe Lexapro for you, so we're going to deal with the spiritual. But if you are having a problem, please get help like now, okay? Don't just sit around and say, oh, well, maybe I'll feel better. Talk to your doctor, talk to a psychiatrist, talk to somebody and get some help for this before it's too late. It could be any of those things. I will try to help you with the spiritual part. And I just don't want you to think that I was off for three months slacking, okay? I spent a lot of time with family and there was a lot of things going on, but I didn't get anxious on my break because I was sitting around playing PlayStation or because I logged on to Facebook all the time, which we know causes depression. I didn't do either one of those. I didn't even watch TV. I still haven't finished Stranger Things 3, and I love that show. I mean, I I rented one movie. That's just not what I did. When my wife went to Downton Abbey, I went to Starbucks. I didn't even want to watch that because I can't stand Downton Abbey. So I went to Starbucks, (laughs) and I was proactive with my headspace. I read 12 books and the Bible, like the whole Bible. I'd never read it chronologically, so I did it that way, and yet... I got anxious. How is that possible? Well, I'm just going to be honest. There's parts of the Bible really aren't that helpful. (laughs) I'm just being real. That's the truth, okay? I really think God was looking down at me at one point going, dude, I never meant for you to read the book of Numbers. Why don't you go golfing? Maybe I'll knock it in the hole for you again. Just get out of here. But there was some scripture that obviously helped me a ton, and you'll find that along the way. There's some stuff that we read for history. There's some stuff that we know because we want to hear the story, and I'll get into some of that too. But there was one scripture I kept coming back to over and over again. And it's okay if you have scripture that you come back to over and over again. That's great. That's why it's there. And do you know what the most highlighted verse in the Bible is? That's what we're going to do for four weeks. It's the most highlighted verse in the Bible, verses in the Bible, and it's not John 3.16, and it's not the Lord's Prayer, and it's not the 23rd Psalm, even though those probably rank right up there. It's from Philippians chapter 4, and it's about anxiety. That shouldn't surprise us. 
Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. And in case you didn't hear it, I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Just hang on to this part right here. That's what is so important today. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing. That's our title. But in everything with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, doesn't make enough sense because it's the peace of God, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. God, I just want to pray for that to happen over the next few weeks in our congregation. I know if I got anxious with nothing to be anxious about except a flat tire or two, these people have got real issues going on in their life and they have a reason to be anxious and they have even more of a need for the peace of God in their lives. Wherever they're listening to this, at Homer, at New Lenox, at Orland, online, Facebook, Lord, just help them to feel the peace of God in their life today. No matter what's going on, to be anxious for nothing. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You're, you're probably thinking, so what is this Philippians thing? So Paul is writing to the church at Philippi, okay? And you're like, well, where is he telling us rejoice in the Lord always? I'll say it again, rejoice, you know. You can have peace. Is he on a beach bungalow in Bermuda? No, he's in Rome. Oh, must be nice. I want to go to Rome. Yeah, I know. It's on my bucket list too. But you don't want to go the way Paul did because he's in prison in Rome, okay? He's in a prison in Rome, which you can only imagine what's going on back in those days, what prison was like. Not only that, but he's chained. He's such an important prisoner that he's chained to a guard 24 hours a day. They did eight-hour shifts, and they would change off, and he was always chained to a guard. He could die in there. He has no idea what's going to happen. He's already been through a crazy life as a prophet of God, as the person who wrote most of the New Testament, and he's in, in, in prison under bad circumstances, and somehow under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he writes this to a church in Philippi that he wants to encourage. So he's got somebody taking notes for him because he can't even get his hands free. And he's got bad eyesight and he can't write. And he's not in a great place. And he says, be anxious for nothing. I mean, if anybody should be anxious, it should be him. And then he goes on and he says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Why? Because the Lord is near. Would you just say this with me? Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, just so that you understand this, is in the present active tense, okay? It's not don't ever be anxious because you can't help being anxious. If you see a bear, you should be anxious. If there is a problem, you should be anxious, okay? The command is don't live in a perpetual state of anxiety. I love the way Max Lucado says it. He says that the presence of anxiety is unavoidable, but the prison of anxiety is optional. The prison, that's what we want to talk about. Some of you are, are experiencing great anxiety today for good reason because there's stuff going on in your life. Jesus had anxiety. In the Garden of Gethsemane, before he goes to the cross, he asks, God, can you take this away from me? And he's sweating, the Bible tells us, drops of blood. 
which is a medical condition that can only be induced by great stress and anxiety. To be anxious is human. But what we're going to find in this series is there's a way to break out of the prison of anxiousness. There's going to be four things I'm going to give you. This came from Max. They spell calm. And we're going to talk each day about a different one of these as we go through and learn how to break out. The first thing is we're going to celebrate. What are we going to celebrate? Rejoice in the Lord. We're going to celebrate that the Lord is near, his goodness and his control. Week two, ask. He said, everything by prayer and supplication, make your request known to God and be specific. We'll talk about that. Then week three, we're going to list what we're thankful for. With thanksgiving, he says, present your request. Because sometimes we, we forget about all the good stuff that's going on. And then week four, we're going to meditate only on what is good. We're going to meditate on that, okay? So we start with celebrate today. We rejoice in the Lord because the Lord is near. That's what we're going to talk about. Rejoice in the Lord, okay? He could have used all kinds of names for God, but he says rejoice in the Lord because Kyrios, Lord, means owner, master, the one who's in control, that's where we rejoice. We, rejo we don't rejoice in our circumstances. We don't rejoice that maybe we can handle it. We rejoice that he can. And when I started thinking about this and when I started realizing I was dealing with some anxiety in my life, there was another time that that happened to me. And it was about 15 years ago, and I really burned out. I, everything was good, and it was just another one of those weird things, and I kind of burned out. And I learned my most important learning from that time was the story of Elijah. And I've even taught this story to other pastors warning about burnout and, and, and telling them about how to do things differently in their ministry so they don't get to that point. Elijah is a prophet of God who lives during the reign of an evil king, evil king Ahab. So for three years, he's on the run from this evil king because he's confronted the king and the king wants to kill him. And yet while he's on the run, God is there. The Lord, Kyrios, is there. God feeds him from heaven like bread and meat from heaven just come down and gives him power to do miracles. He raises the dead. At one point, he stands down 850 false prophets. He, he challenges them to a duel. If you get to go to the Holy Land someday, Mount Carmel is one of the stops, and there's a big statue of this whole event. And at some point, the prophets couldn't get their God. The false prophets couldn't get their God to light the altar. So Elijah says, well, mine will. And he, and he points up to heaven, and God sends fire from heaven and consumes the altar. I mean... Elijah ought to be walking around like an avenger, man. I mean, he's got all this power. He's got all this stuff going on in his life, right? And he was okay for a while, but then there was one little thing that put him over the edge, and it was a woman. I expected a dilly-dilly out of somebody. Thank you. It was Jezebel, okay? Ahab's wife. If you don't know the reason Jezebel's not a real popular girl's name, it's because Jezebel was the wife of King Ahab, and she was so evil, she made Ahab look like Billy Graham. And when she decides to come after Elijah, all of a sudden we read this passage where anxiety hits. When mama ain't happy, right? And so Elijah completely falls apart, spirals into a deep depression, and it says, Elijah was afraid, and he ran for his life. And when he came to Beersheba, 
He left his servant there, and while he was, he himself went into the wilderness, he came to a broom bush, and he sat down under it, and he prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. And he laid down under the bush and fell asleep. Notice how irrational anxiety is. Okay? What is Elijah's biggest fear? That Jezebel is going to kill him. So what does he do? He asks God to kill him, right? That's how dumb anxiety is. But he's struggling, and he's really struggling. These are not irrational feelings of anxiety like I had. He's got actual problems, and maybe you do too. Maybe you have been a person, maybe you are a person who is right now saying to God, I've had enough, God. I, I just can't take any more. You don't know what to do. Well, let's diagnose it, okay? What's the problem with Elijah? What had he done wrong? This is what's always important to me. Well, for one thing, he'd run himself into the ground. He'd had a busy season of ministry, and then he ran to Beersheba. You don't realize this, but that's 100 miles away. So this is like an ultramarathon on top of a busy season, and, and, and so he's depleted. So, yeah, I guess if I'm honest, I went into this break more fried than I thought I was. I had a busy church season. We had a great Christmas and Easter and a lot of growth, and our campuses are doing well, and we're trying to figure out what that looks like, and we got our Malawi project going well and so many di different things. And then on top of all of that, I launched a book, and that was a 10-year project for me, and I put a lot into it, and there was a lot to do with it. And then I went on break, and Carol went into hospice. And so that brought stress. So by the time I got a real break, I was pretty run down. Maybe we have to pay better attention to those things. This, the second thing that I noticed, though, is that he left his support network. It says he left his servant and went by himself into the wilderness. And that's what I did. I didn't even think about it. But I was like, I, if I stay here in Chicago, I'm not going to be able to get away from the church. You know, I mean, I need to go to church somewhere. I need to, I need to, I need to get away. So we spent almost our entire time away from here. But, but here is my support network. Here's where my friends are and the people that are, that are there for me. That was really dumb. I don't know how to, how to fix that, but that was dumb. And thankfully, I have a great support network outside of here as well. And, and, you know, I mean, I was actually complaining to one of my friends one day about, you know, my flat tires and my broken holes in one and all the things that were going on. And, I, and he finally wrote me back and he said, look, here's all the good stuff that's going on in your life, and you just need to shut the blank up. And that was exactly what I needed to hear. I mean, it was, it, it was a word from God. I don't know if God would have used that word, but it was a word from God. And I was a pastor, by the way, I'm just saying. Do you have friends like that in your life? Because if you've got anxiety, the thing that you need more than anything else is to get connected to a small group, get connected to some people that can be there in, their, in your life and can minister to you and can help you. Elijah ditched his and went off by himself. I did too. That was so dumb. The third thing is he focused on the negative. We're going to work on that during this time. He starts crying out to God. If you read through this passage, oh, my life is so hard. There's just no way I can get everything done and Jezebel and blah, blah, blah. And we're going to fix that, okay? And the last thing is he forgot God, which is crazy because God has already, as I said, enabled him to run faster than a chariot, heal the sick, raise the dead, call down fire from heaven, and God had done amazing things in his life, just like he has in mine, just like he has in yours. 
And even though God had been faithful, Elijah did what many of us do. Craig Rochelle said it this way. Elijah was facing his problems while forgetting his God. And the ironic thing is, do you know what Elijah's name meant? I mean, it's Elijah. It's from two different, two different forms of the word God. His, word is, his name is about God. But it literally means God is my breath. The Lord is near. That's what his name means, but he forgot. So what does God do when we forget? The same thing he'll do for you and me. He reminded him. Re- remember this. Rejoice in the Lord always. The Lord is near. Don't forget that. So God said, Elijah, go out and stand in the mountain in the presence of the Lord for the Lord. I am about to pass by. This was a big deal. And a great and a powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord wasn't, wasn't there. And after that, there was an earthquake. But the Lord wasn't there. And after the earthquake came a fire. You'd think he'd be in the fire, burning bush and stuff, right? Not there. All of those things happened. The earth shook, but the Lord wasn't in the earthquake. The wind howled, but the Lord wasn't in the wind. The fire raged, but the Lord wasn't in the fire. Earth, wind, and fire. Do you remember? (laughs) Just checking with my old people. Okay, good. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. And a voice spoke to him. And the Lord was in the whisper. Remember, the Lord is near. The Lord was in his breath. Elijah's name name means God is my breath. So the question is, when we're overwhelmed, when we're anxious, when whatever's going on, whether it's rational or irrational, why does God not usually speak in those loud ways? Why does God whisper? He whispers because he's close. (laughs) Or maybe he whispers to draw us close. Right? What does that make you do if I whisper? It makes you want to lean in and hear me. And by the way, he was already there anyway. Who's yelling? The devil's yelling. The evil one is yelling. The evil one is the one who's yelling the accusations at you, the condemnation at you. You're not good enough. You're going to die. She's going to get you. This is not good enough. He's the one that shouts all the what ifs into your anxiety. He's shouting those things at you, but God is just whispering. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. I'm always good. I'm working in all things. Nothing will ever separate you from my love. That's what we celebrate. We celebrate that the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. And I would say that the more brokenhearted you are, the more he's leaning in and whispering. He saves those who are crushed in spirit. Here's what's so funny, ironic about Elijah If you don't know the end of the story, it's super funny. Okay, what is he afraid of? What's his anxiety? I'm going to die. So what does he ask God to do? To kill him. Okay, makes no sense. But guess what? He never dies. Elijah is one of the people in the Bible that doesn't die. 
A chariot of fire comes down. He's walking along with Elisha one day, his protege, and all of a sudden a chariot of fire sweeps down and picks him up and takes him off to heaven. Swing low, sweet chariot. That's what that's all about, right? It comes down and he doesn't even physically die. He shows up again at the transfiguration with Jesus. He's with God, but he doesn't even have to physically die. In other words, the thing he feared the most never happened. Listen to me. If you are afraid that you're going to die someday, you're going to. I just can't help you out with that. The odds are with you on that, okay? But for Elijah, it actually didn't. The thing he was worried the most about never even happened. And guess what? Psychologists who study this will tell us that the vast majority of the things that we worry about never happen to us either, do they? And sometimes it does happen, but it's not as bad as we thought it was going to be. Most of our anxiety is about those two categories. That doesn't mean it isn't real. That doesn't mean it doesn't really affect us. It doesn't mean we shouldn't work on it. But that's the truth. And even sometimes when that anxiety does happen, when the irrational does happen, when the bad things do happen that are happening in your life and you do get to that point where you're like, Lord, I've had enough, God always seems to carry us through because he's good and because he's near. That's why the Apostle Paul, who's chained up to a Roman guard, not knowing about his future, can write to this church and say, be anxious for nothing. The Lord is near. Rejoice in the Lord. And if you do that, the peace of God, not just this normal peace that you have, but the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You see, my friends, rejoicing in the Lord is not a feeling, it's a choice. What are we going to focus on? And it breaks the cycle. Isaiah wrote, he will keep in perfect peace those who trust in him and whose thoughts turn often to the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. I hope you'll come back next week as we keep working on this. We're going to close with a song that really meant a lot to me during this weird, anxious time in my life. It's an artist named Nicole Nordeman. And I just want to tell you that if you have a prayer need, even if you're on Facebook Live, please let us know. Message us and let us know that we can help you. We want to do that. If you're one of our campuses, go to the Next Steps booth and find somebody to pray with you right now or, or let us know, and we would love to do that. We have people for you. As we play this song at the end, I want you to listen for a couple of lines. There's one, one line in here that's just exactly what I'm talking about. She says, she's had a hard time in her life as well. She says, the only invitation that you need, God, is the very air I breathe. You're here. Don't forget that. You're here. And then the line that just literally knocked me down when I heard it towards the end of the song was, you are never moving closer you were only always here. Sometimes when we're in those dark places, we're like, man, Lord, you've, you've got to get closer to me. No, no, no. Rejoice in the Lord because he is near. God can't get any closer. He is only always here.